the hell are you doing in my house? Alright, look, we're just looking for our friend, alright? Then we'll be out of here. You ain't running things, boy, except in your mouth. This is crazy. Turd. You're so dead you don't even know it. Come on, boy. Bring it. Welcome to the Ancient Slumber Podcast, show number 10. My name is Chris Ward, and my co-host is Mr. Myron Schmidt. How are you doing, Myron? Chris, doing well. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you very much. Excellent. We're on show number 10. I know, right? Double figures. That's crazy. It is. (laughs) Who would have thought that? Not me. (laughs) Certainly not me. (laughs) Oh, well, someone must like us. We're still going. What's that? said someone must like us. We're still going. Well... Well, perhaps they don't. We're just oblivious to it. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, even the missus doesn't listen to it anymore, so. No, she stopped after the first one, I think. (laughs) Second one. No, second one. Oh. Oh, dearie me. Well, we got a a few uh, little nuggets to uh, get through today. Yeah, we do. We do. We're going to finish up the Chainsaw franchise. Yes. And talk... Arrow Video's American Horror Project. Yeah, the remaining two films in there, The Premonition and The Witch Who Came From the Sea. Yep, yep, exactly. And we do have some feedback. Yeah, we do have some feedback. See, someone does listen. They do. Or perhaps they do what I did and just made it up. (laughs) Don't forget to pay uh, our people who gave feedback, please. I will be paying them in kind and love. I thought you were going to slip them a tenner. Uh, Well, I can do, yeah, I suppose. Oh, goodness. If we earn anything from this, then I would. That's true. That's true. People ain't going to pay for this. I feel bad (laughs) giving it away for free. I know, right? (laughs) Oh, Oh, fucking hell. Right, let's move on. Let's begin, as we normally do, with some good, some bad, and some ugly. Let's do it. Let's do it. Right, yes. This is where uh, we... uh, Pick a film that's good, that's bad, that's ugly, that we've watched since our last recording. So, Myron, would you like to go first with a good? I will. I'm going to pick two again because I can. Oh, greedy. I know. Greedy bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with a movie called The Objective and a movie called Vampires with an S. Not the Jaron Carpenter one. but the, Ah, uh, yes. You mentioned that on the, Twitter. The mockumentary one. It, uh, <laughs> it was... Uh, both of them very good movies. Uh, the objective is kind of more of a, you know, paranormal kind of thing. The objective is a little paranormal, uh, 
Are you alright? No! Have you a stroke? No. Are your lips blue? <laughs> Do you want the ambulance? I, 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 I can't talk. Oh dear. Was it a comedy? Maybe. <laughs> no, it was very good. <laughs> the CIA uh, operative leads uh, Strike Force to find the source of a paranormal event or events in the, I think it's Pakistani desert. Ooh, Turns out to. It sounds hilarious. It, it, it's actually very good. I was really shocked at it. Done by the guy who did the Blair Witch, so, you know, okay. take that for what you will. Is it found footage? No, it is not. Okay, no. I know you're shocked. Now, Vampires, on the other hand, is a documentary mockumentary about some Belgian vampires who end up getting exiled to Canada at one point, and it's just hilarity ensues. I still have not seen what we do in the shadows yet, so I can't make any... Oh, have you not? I haven't. I've oh, got the de- I've got that. the Blu-ray, but I haven't watched it. Oh, give it a watch. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely worth it. I, I, I have to, uh, because I believe it's a little bit like vampires, and you know, I, I kind of like to know which one is better, funnier. But vampires is very good, very funny, very quirky. Uh, both worth a watch. I might check that out. It's a subtitled film, is it? Correct. Yeah, because sometimes when you have comedies that are in a foreign language, sometimes the humor doesn't travel well across when you're having to read it. This is more situational comedy than dialogue comedy. Oh, right. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, that's a bit like, um, oh, there's a film, I think it's Danish, called Clown, spelled with a K. Okay. Uh, it's on Arrow Video. I reviewed it a couple of years ago, and it's all, obviously, it's subtitled, but it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I'm not going to say any more than that. You just have to watch it. It's okay. hilarious. Clown with a K. Yeah. Danish. Yeah, it's on Arrow Video in the UK. I don't know what it's on anywhere else. Okay, okay. So, yeah, you'll piss yourself. It's so fucking hilarious. Don't watch it with the kids. Oh, God, okay. (laughs) Oh, God. Right, my good. I watched a little film a few weeks ago. I don't know if you'd have heard of this. Um, I've looked it up on the internet, and I haven't seen much written about it. It's a little film. It's called Batman, and he's fighting someone called Superman. Oh, you big smart ass. Have you heard of this? Because I can see nobody critiquing it at all on the internet about it. Batman vs. Superman. I, I heard rumors that there was such a movie, but again, it's not in my Twitter feed. It's not in my – sometimes oh, when surprising. I look on Facebook feed. Yeah, I know. Really, I'm shocked. Uh, yeah. Batman, Superman, Dawn of Justice. I really liked it. Cool. Down to its core, a film should be entertaining. Yes. Regardless of its subject matter, you should come away from it saying it either entertained me or it didn't. And Batman vs. Superman did. It's flawed. It is flawed. And you can sit there nitpicking at it. Like, for instance, I didn't like Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I just thought he was a whiny trust fund brat. Things like that. Um, They are what they are. Exactly. Ben Affleck as Batman was great. I would definitely say best Batman since Michael Keaton. I could possibly go best Batman since Adam West. Wow. Yeah. What the hell? Henry Cavill as Superman is... He's fine. I don't think the character's particularly well written for him. I think as the films go on, we'll see more and more things introduced that will make him better, if you know what I mean. I do, I do. Like they did with Bond, you know, where they introduce things slowly over two or three films. I think they'll do that with him. Okay, okay. Which is fine. Didn't see the point of Wonder Woman being in it, but I know it's all set up for the Justice League. We got a Batmobile at last, not a fucking Tumblr. As much as I love the Christopher Nolan films, and I do love them, the weak links for me were always Christian Bale as Batman. I liked his Bruce Wayne, wasn't keen on his Batman. And the fact that there was no proper Batmobile. Ah, 
And I know it's supposed to be, you know, they try to go for reality, but I've seen more replica Batmobiles driving around the streets than I have tumblers in my life. So therefore, a Batmobile is is more realistic to me. <laughs> Fair point on that. Yeah. So, but yeah, I came away from it and I enjoyed it, and I want to watch it again. I'll wait for the can't wait for the Blu-ray. I will. I'm trying to. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll go to Dare tomorrow, but I'd, I'd like to get to the theater and see it, and I'll definitely be getting it on Blu-ray as well. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's blockbuster entertainment, you know, it's explosions and car chases and fighting and, you know, I took my son to see it and the moment when Superman and Batman started fighting each other, he just went, yes, under his breath. Now, that's the bit you wanted to see and, it, and it's in there, so. Yeah, there you go. You know, it was entertaining. That's what you want, want from a film, so. What better review than to have your son with you and say, yes, that he's excited about seeing a movie. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's, it, there's no more, nothing else. Needed. Well, to be honest, going into it, he's. He sort of said he wasn't that bothered about seeing it, if you know what I mean. He likes yeah. Batman and all that, and he liked Man of Steel, but he sort of said, you know, you know, it is what it, he's a big Star Wars fan, so he's like, oh, it's not going to be as good as Star Wars. And then, say, while he was watching it, he loved it. Perfect. That's great. So there you go. So all the fanboys who are getting upset because of this, that, and the other, and then, you know, Batman didn't say that in comic number 42, so they can't put it in a film and all that shit. Fuck it. It's a good film. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just like the new Star Wars film. How many people have gotten their panties in a twist over that? But it's a good film. Who cares? I enjoyed it. I like it. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bought it on Blu-ray. Exactly. Oh, it's out here next week on Blu-ray. So, yeah, cool. Right. What's your bad then? My bad is – I don't know how to pronounce who did it, but um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a movie called The Death King. It's done by the guy who did Necromantic. And oh, right. Yes. It, however you say his name, Jorg Buttery, I don't know. Yeah, but, but I just didn't care for it. It was seven shorts. I love shorts. I thought, okay, I'll give this a go. But it's one of those things where you try and take a horror movie, horror shorts, and just make it into art house stuff. And that usually doesn't click well with me. And I only made it through four shorts. It, it was just they were nonsensical. At least I didn't think so. They didn't, you know, it just didn't click with me at all. So yeah. um, it, it don't waste your time, Chris. Jörg Butgerit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Was it anything like necromantic? Was it that sort of subject matter? Or? No, I don't think so. But then again, I've never seen netro necromantic. Oh, you know? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's your sort of thing, really. I think it's probably not my type of thing. But I, uh, I subscribe to this uh, called Shutter TV. It's horror movies. Yeah. And necromantic is on there. Necromantic too. So oh, for right. You know, a, a freebie? Why not? Give it a go. Uh, yeah, uh, watch them to say you've watched them. Yeah. Um, I like them for, uh, this sounds a weird thing to say, but I like the sort of what they represent. Okay. You know, um, same way, you, uh, I can't remember what film we said about it before. Oh, like Human Centipede 3, when I said, I don't particularly like it, but I'm glad it exists. Yes. That it upsets people. That's what necromantic is. You know, they're not okay. they're not great, but uh, I don't know whether Arrow Video released them in the U.S. or not. There's lovely box sets over here of necromantic one and two. We did. I don't know who did it, but we did get a release of necromantic and necromantic two over here. I I don't remember the company to be honest, but but it did get a Blu-ray release. I'd say watch watch them once, and there you go. You've seen them. There is artistic merit to them, but you've got to look for it, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got you. But you know, in this one, there probably is people who love it. Yeah. But yeah. Just, just you know, it just didn't that the style and the whole 
arty thing just just didn't click with me. Okay. What about you? What about me? What's your bad? Oh, my bad is Cabin Fever. Not the Eli Roth original. This is the uh, the remake that has been doing the rounds recently. Really? Yes. So why is um, that your bad? Because I don't know who thought this was a good idea. Remaking a film that is, what, 12 years old? 13 years old? Yep. That is still producing sequels anyway. When you remake a film, say, from the 70s or the 80s, you're remaking it for a new generation. Correct. Where the... I mean, look at Texas Chainsaw... 74 and Texas Chainsaw later on the the filmmaking styles are different and you're you're bringing in the new technology and creating something different with the same narrative yeah yeah this there's not no difference between the original and this from 2002 or whatever it was to now what's that different we've got iPods you know what I mean (laughs) that's about it (laughs) iPods and blu-rays yeah, yeah, exactly. The kids still look the same. The music in the film still sound the same. The script is near enough the same. I think they've used some of the same dialogue. The special effects look the same. So I just don't see the point. Did they do a shot-for-shot remake? If so, why? To be honest, I haven't watched the original for a while, so I couldn't say whether it's shot-for-shot. But you've definitely seen it before when you watch it, you know. Okay. Yeah, it's a pointless exercise. I just don't see the point of it at all. I don't think anything is done better. There's one death scene involving a wolf, which, okay, from memory, okay, that may be done slightly better, but that's about it. Really? Yeah, the characters, if they make the, the sheriff character in the original is now a woman, and it just doesn't work. And I don't know if it's because she's a woman or just because she's not a particularly good actress, but I don't know, something about the character doesn't work when it was the old stoner guy, you know, the let's party guy. Right, right. It just, it doesn't work. Gotcha. Just avoid it. If you want to watch Cabin Fever, watch the original. Or watch Cabin yeah. Fever 2, which is even better. Or Patient Zero, which is good too. Uh, yep, I've got that as well. Yeah, but yeah, I just don't bother with this. It's pointless. That's what it sounds like. You just hit the nail on the head as it's pointless. Yeah, it's it's made for monetary reasons, obviously. Somebody's, I mean, Eli Roth's probably getting paid out of it. Uh, the fact that he didn't publicize it on his Twitter feed, and he normally does with everything he's involved in, that tells you. <laughs> I just... I just don't even know why. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I, you're right. Now, remake a film that's over 20 years old, I can see that, but something that's still with, in memory, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. 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 I say it's like remaking Saw or Hostel, and I suppose they'll be around the corner, not far away. God, I hope not. I mean, I'm not a big Hostel fan, but just like you said, why do it? Yeah. Why, why remake any of it? Exactly. I mean, I can understand things like Maniac or My Bloody Valentine because of the just like you hit the nail on the head, the time gap. Yeah. And you can you can bring something new to the picture if you want to. Yeah. But, just, you know, oi. Exactly. Go on then, what's your ugly? My ugly is one you will vehemently disagree with me on, but <laughs> oh my God, I hated this one. Oh, um, I, know. Oh, I know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you say it? Shaitan or Satan in English? Shaitan, I think, is the French. Something like that. Satan. We'll call it Satan. Satan. It's, um... It's a a French um, purported to be extreme horror, but it is just, I I don't know. I I didn't like it, although I did like the black Philip-like goat that was in it, (laughs) but it was just, oh boy. I don't know what you didn't like about this. I love Satan. I think it's brilliant. (laughs) Everything. It just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't click with me. You know, I don't mind weirdness, but this was... I can't see how you can like 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Hills Have Eyes and not like Satan. I like Frontiers. Yeah. Frontiers, but don't like Satan. I just, it's, I don't even. You didn't like Vincent Cassell in it? No. Oh, he's brilliant. As an actor, absolutely. He plays that weird farmer guy who's, but it was just. If if that was made in America, that would be Bill Moseley, wouldn't it? Oh, God, it could be. It absolutely could be. (laughs) But. I mean, it just, the whole thing was a mess for me. It, it just didn't click with me. Did but you, I've, did you put the, the pornographic picture at the very end in the closing credits? No. <laughs> You've got to be very quick with the pause button. What pornographic picture? During the closing credits, there is a very, very quick flash of, of a, of an image, and it's a pornographic picture of penetration, and it's got Vincent Cassell's face in front of it, just leering at it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Go back and watch it. It's brilliant. <laughs> You've oh, got to be God. really, you've got to be really quick with a pause button, but it's there. Oh God! Oh man, I love Satan. It's so good. Oh, I was excited to see it. I was excited when I subscribed to Shutter, and boom! It was the first movie that came up. I hit play immediately and went, "Oi!" Oh well. <laughs> it's very European, and I think it's a spiritual cousin to, like I said, Hills Have Eyes, Texas, those type of you know, Lost in the Wilderness with a weird family type things. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Absolutely. And it is, ve- it is very European. I think if you were coming at it from a, a different culture or, say, from America or whatever, you might be put off a little bit by that. I can see that. But, oh, man, it's so much fun. <laughs> I remember you saying on Twitter, I'm going to go watch it to protest or something. Yeah, I haven't yet. I will rewatch it. It's on my <laughs> shelf right behind me, actually, on DVD. So I, I will rewatch that. Oh, goodness gravy. Uh, who who knows? Maybe like five years from now, I'll be going. God, that movie Satan. I used to hate it, but now I love it. You well, know, this is it. You might change your mind. That's right. <laughs> but right now, oh boy. <laughs> okay, right. My ugly. You've seen this one, and I think you're going to agree with me. I had to put it in there. Wrong way. Ugly. Wow. Really? And this, yeah. I watched this because our friends over at Strange and Deadly covered it on their. Oh, show. I'm, I'm sorry. Hang on a second. You're thinking wrong turn, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Y- yes. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, because I, I. That's why I'm shocked. Uh, ugly. Wrong way doesn't even begin to describe that movie. Yeah, it's ugly on all counts. It's on looks on horrible. content on the way it's made. It's down. I suppose rape revenge is a simplistic term. There's not much revenge in it, really. I know. Uh, and to be honest, the raping is fucking. I mean, oh, how can I say? It? I don't want to diminish <laughs> raping or anything like that. Obviously, it's not a nice thing, but. The way it's portrayed in this film, I was laughing because the women are screaming, no, no, no. But yet they're willingly turning around and sticking their asses in the air. And the men are sort of standing at least, what, six to eight inches away from them, just gyrating their hips. And I was like, I'm getting nothing, no impact from this. You watch I Spit on Your Grave. It's shocking. It's impactful. Yeah. And I was watching this and it was like there was in the 80s, there were two comedians on Breakfast Telly who used to do a thing called Swing Your Pants. Where they were dressed as hippies and they used to play this crappy hippie music and swing side to side. Yes. And that's all I got from it. I was thinking that's Trevor and Simon swinging their pants. Oh, jeez. It was just, oh, man. You know, if I'm going to see, see something that's supposed to be shocking, make it shocking. Don't make it fucking comedic. Yeah, yeah. But oh, on every level, this film's shit. There's no actors in it. There's no real script. I didn't even get what was going on halfway through. I was like, who's who's supposed to be with who? Who's What's happening I just didn't care for it. Absolute shite. 
Yeah, it, it is. It's despicable on every level. Yeah. Like I said, you can do rape revenge and you can make it so it's shocking, impactful, but with a purpose. This isn't it. It's just loathsome. You know, I got impressions that it was um, from uh, Tom and uh, Chris over at Strange and Deadly that it was just rape that was supposed to be titillating and not, you know. It wasn't that. I, I, it just, yeah. It wasn't anything. I only made it, what, 15, 20 minutes in? It just gave up. The best thing about it was during the rape scene, there's a bongo soundtrack. And oh, dear. I, I quite like the time changes in the bongo soundtrack. It went fast to slow to fast to slow. I thought, that's quite good. <laughs> if, I could, if I could isolate that soundtrack, that was all right. Oh, God. That was the best thing in it. No, avoid it. It's a shit film. It's crap. Thankfully, it's hard to find and let it stay that way. Yeah, I shan't be watching it again. Yes, yes. I shan't be making it all the way through. But well, put it this way, you got you watch the best bit. It doesn't get any better from the first 15 minutes. (laughs) Oh, God. I actually thought you meant wrong turn. I would would never call that an ugly film. It's a beautiful film. I was literally in shock when you said wrong way, and I interpreted it as wrong turn. Oh, dearie me. I know. I thought you had a stroke. (laughs) I wouldn't be stroking anything to wrong way, that's for sure. Oh, God. Bollocks of the highest order. Oh. Right then, should we move on to something a bit more tasteful? Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's go back to the backwoods of Texas and we will carry on with our look at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. Let's do that. With the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. Tell me how much you love me. How much? That much. That much? That much. Hey, are you okay? They're all dead. He's a bad man. We have to call the cops, I guess.
Okay. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003, directed by Marcus Nispel and starring Jessica Biel, Jonathan Tucker, Andrew Brynjarski, Mike Vogel, Eric Balfour, Arlie Ermey, Terence Evans, Erica Learson, and a few other people. And who plays Leatherface in this one? Andrew Brynjarski. Ah, gotcha. All right. Oh, but I think he was a wrestler. He's done a really? few films. I think he was, he was something to do with that. I'm sure he was. Huh. I'll be done. I don't know. Anyway, he's a big guy. Yeah. Right then. Premise for this one, as if you didn't know, is five friends find themselves stalked and hunted by a deformed chainsaw-wielding killer and his family of equally psychopathic killers, or something thereabouts. Do you want to go first, or shall I? I'll kick it off. Go on, then. This is an interesting remake, because they actually set out and attempted to do something a little bit different, keep within the same kind of story framework, but it's not a bad movie. It certainly is, uh, like, like we'll hear in some of our feedback... As a standalone movie, it's pretty good. But, you know, you always, whenever you see Texas Chainsaw Massacre and you assume it's a remake, and you always look at it through the filter of the original movie, at least I do. But even through that, it offered some differences, some uniqueness, and it, you know, it kind of worked. I didn't hate it. I rather enjoyed it. Okay. That's nice. (laughs) You know, they keep some classic scenes and things like that. You know, there's a meat hook thing, and... All that other kind of stuff, but it brings some just interesting little bits and bobs in the whole thing. The look, the feel of the movie, it's just different. And because of that, I think it, for me, it ranks fairly high. You know, it's a good movie. Yeah. I remember when this came out, there was a lot of buzz around this. Her buzz, Chainsaw. There was a lot of buzz around this because. Oh, you. It was the first, I'd say, major remake certainly since Psycho in the 90s. There were those few um, Dark Castle remakes, you know, like 13 Ghosts and Ghost Ship and that sort of stuff. But this was the first sort of major one of the 21st century, if you like. So there was a buzz around this, and I remember it was marketed at the time as this was sort of in the fallout of the Blair Witch Project marketing strategy, you know, when everything was online and all that sort of stuff. Yes. And I remember there was... One of the things was... You know, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's the official police version of what happened. Here's what really happened. (laughs) You know, which is a good bit of marketing. Yeah, it is. And all credit, and I'm going to say it's all credit to Michael Bay, because that's what he came up with. I listened to the commentary on this the other night from Michael Bay. People give Michael Bay shit, and they give Platinum Dunes shit, you know, for all their remakes and all this stuff. And that comes later. I think if you isolate this film... I think they went into this with good intentions of making a good film. I think that shows. Absolutely, 100% shows. It shows. If you listen to the commentary, Michael Bay is very honest about, you know, how they were going to approach it and the planning that went into it. Yeah, so it was one of those films where a lot of people say Saw and Hostel are responsible for the torture porn thing of the last decade. I would say this was. This is where it starts. It takes the Toby Hooper original concept and gives you what the original didn't. It gives you that gore. Yes. And the brutality. Yes. That's it exactly. And I've always said this. If you like the remake, that doesn't mean you don't like the original anymore. Because some people, when you say, oh, I really like that Texas Chainsaw remake, they go, oh, what about Toby Hooper's film? It's not better than that. I didn't, you know, I'm not saying that. I can like both films exclusively. Yes. I love Toby Hooper's film. We said last time it's a five out of five film. It's brilliant. I wouldn't change anything about it. Absolutely. Consequently, this film, I love this film as well. 
I think this film's brilliant. It does that some things the same as the Toby Hooper film, you know, with the kids and the hitchhiker and the van, and it gives you those plot points that you need. It goes off in a different direction. Yes. It's done well. I think Marcus Nispel directs it very well. He's a, a music video director, but his, uh, he's got a good sense of lighting, framing a scene, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I love this film. I think it's fucking brilliant. You know, I couldn't put my finger on it, but you just, with that one statement, captured it. It gives you the gore and that kind of stuff that wasn't really in the first one. No, and it, it didn't need to be in the first no, one. No, not the, at all. The first one was about tone and about that frenzied, you're in a situation that you you can't get out of, and it's just madness, madness, madness. You didn't yes, need the gore. Yes. No, not at all. I mean, imagine now if Toby Hooper went back and threw in a couple of extra gore scenes. No, don't do it. It would kill it. It would kill yeah. that vibe. This film doesn't have that vibe, or not to the same extent. It has it in bits and pieces. And to join those bits and pieces up in a 21st century audience, you need to give them something visual. Absolutely. And it did it. You actually see people getting killed by a chainsaw in this one, because you didn't in you know, Next Generation. I can't even yes. compare those two films. Fucking um. <laughs> This one, thankfully, does not have the Illuminati. It does It does not. It doesn't have Matthew McConaughey or, uh, what's her name? That silly bit. Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger. Uh, well, let's talk about the cast, actually. Um, let's go, let's start with Leatherface. Do you like Leatherface in this one? Yes, I do. I think, and I alluded to this in the last show, when you said about Gunnar Hansen being the only Leatherface, or he is Leatherface. Yes. I love Andrew Bignarski's Leatherface. In my mind, when I picture Leatherface, this is what I picture. Really? Yes. Wow. I don't particularly go with the whole... I mean, I actually hate the transvestite thing they did in Next Generation. That's not Leatherface <laughs> at all. That whole... Never mind. Just Yeah. We, we, we rinsed it last time. Yeah, yeah. With Gunnar Hansen's Leatherface, you've obviously got the bit where he puts on the lady's mask and he becomes the mother of the house and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Again, I like that in Toby Hooper's film. It wouldn't has no place in this film. That's not what this family is. This is closer to what the Leatherface was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. This is just a brutal killer. That's it. He's nothing else. Right. You know, they tried to allude to that, oh, he's my poor boy, blah, blah, blah. He hasn't grown up yet. He's a bit retarded, whatever. Yeah, you can have that. But ultimately, he's a hulking guy who's got no remorse and he just kills. And he certainly probably fits better with his more muscular body type in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it certainly goes with everything that, you know, they were trying to get at in this movie. But, you know, somebody who's just a, a big guy probably wouldn't have worked as well. But it's because he's, you know, hmm. like you said, you know, that big, the big, more muscular, more. But he needed to be, you know. You, yes, you... absolutely. He's lifted these people, you know, <laughs> De deadlifting people. You know, you, you, you know, he's absolutely. exactly he's picking up people off the floor with one arm. You know, you need you need to be fucking built to do that. Yes. You could follow the trail to Rob Zombie's Halloween, where he got uh, Tyler Mayne to be Michael Myers, who's fucking huge. Absolutely. He's bigger than Andrew Brignaski, but you need you need someone who is visually threatening. Yes. And, you know, big as Gunnar Hansen was, he's a big, bulky guy. He's basically just a fat guy in a mask. And I don't mean that to take away from the character, because it worked in that film. A big, hulking guy probably wouldn't have worked. If you'd have put Toby someone of Gunnar did. Hansen's build in this film, it wouldn't have worked. Correct. And if you had put somebody with Tyler... You know, Tyler Maine's bulk in the other one, it it wouldn't have matched with what they were doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, you've got to, you know, the original Halloween has a different tone to Rob Zombie's Halloween. Absolutely. You know, you've got the silent menace of that one compared to the big hulking guy of the remake, you know, and you've got to 
play it to that film. So yeah, Brynjarski as Leatherface in this film, I love. I love that well, when you first see him and he hits uh, Kemper over the head, that's a great scene. Not, not as effective as the one in the original, I don't think, but uh, I love the way he comes out. I love that when he comes running out of that back room when you first see him with the chainsaw. Yes. And he chases the blonde head guy and he smashes through the front door and runs through the garden and all that sort of... I love that chase scene. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's carry that chainsaw. You've got to be pretty fucking built as well. You know, they're not light. No, no, they're not light. <laughs> not at all. So, uh, yeah, I think he's great in this film. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do anything more than that. I know. I know. You know, he's... Uh, I think the way he moves, he's got a certain way of moving that you can tell. You're a bit like Kane Hodder with Jason when you just, they do something in their movement. Yes. That connects absolutely. the character to the actor. Yep. I think Brynjarski does that. Yeah, I really like him. I think he's fantastic. I think so too. It, it uh, you know, and the whole cast really works well together. You know, we've got uh, Lee Emery as... Uh... Ermy. Arlie Ermy. Yeah, that's it. Not Emery, Ermy. I think he does a great sheriff. <laughs> he's brilliant. He's... I, I love that dude. He's more, I mean, I think this will play to the next film as even more, but he's just an arsehole, isn't he? <laughs> and he plays it. Oh, you know, he's probably the nicest guy ever, but, uh, you know, he just, he absolutely, absolutely, you know, yeah. to a T. Yeah, to a T. You know, it, the, the lines he comes out with in this film were just fantastic. And, you know, when he shows up and he starts shrink wrapping up, up that dead body <laughs> and grabbing her tits and all that sort of stuff, you know, you bastard. I know. But you just love him. You can't take your eyes off him at all whenever he's on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, probably my favorite character in the movie, actually. Yeah, he's mine, too. You need him, really, because as great as Leatherface is, and Leatherface is obviously the bigger sort of physical threat, obviously he doesn't say anything. Right. So you need to have somebody to sort of... Uh, vocalizes it. Vocalizes what the villains are up to sort of thing. Yep. Oh, that's fantastic, yeah. Um, The main kids, did you like them? I actually didn't mind them at all, to be honest. I think... A lot of the time, obviously, we talk about a lot of sort of teenage slashes and that sort of thing. A lot of, you know, they should be made on characters. A lot of the time you just get, you know, brainless bimbo number three gets killed. No one cares. I like all the characters in this film. Natural main kids. Eric Balfour as Kemper, I think he's great. Yep. Obviously, he's the alpha male of the group, so he's going to be the first one to go. <laughs> but there's an interesting thing in the documentary on the, on the Blu-ray when Marcus Nispel says... He's the first one to go, you know, half hour into the film, and he's gone. He says, but it doesn't feel like it. You feel like he's there the whole way through? You do. It's, it's weird. It, you don't really notice that he's gone, even though you see him get cracked over the head and his face taken off. You know what? You're right. He's he's right. It, that's, that's another testament to this particular movie. That's it. And we've got Jessica Biel as his girlfriend, Erin. Uh, yes. Who looks fantastic in a tight white tank top, covered in water. <laughs> I can picture Marcus Nispel now just sitting there saying, more water, more water. <laughs> well, I would be anyway. That's probably why we don't make movies. Yeah. <laughs> we could do a better one than Wrong Way, though. Yes, we could. <laughs> I, I fully believe, with no experience, we could probably use my iPhone to make a better movie than Wrong Way. <laughs> oh, Yep, Jessica Biel is uh, Erin. She's the, uh, well, we know it's all spoilers all the time. She's the uh, final girl. Yep. I really like her in this. She's up there with uh, Ashley Lawrence from Hellraiser, for me, as one of the great final girls. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. I could see why you would say that. Yeah, yeah. And the whole rest of the cast, too. I mean, they were just, you know, 
Jonathan Tucker as Morgan. Oh, he's great, isn't he? Erica Learson as Pepper. I mean, just, yes. It, everything made it work. Yep. It's a combination of good casting and willingness to not just do a shoot for shoot remake, but, you know, inject their own style and their own interpretation. They gave us characters. Yes. And that was what was important. You know, like I said Kemper was the alpha male. And I can't help thinking that Eric Balfour is a dead spit for Rob Flynn from Machine Head in this. Really? Yeah, I just look at him and I just think, go on, sing it, go on. Sing, <laughs> sing Davidian, go on, go on. He looks just like him. But yeah, say so Kemper's the alpha male. You've got Andy, played by Mike Vogel, who's sort of, the, he looks a bit like a pro football player, but he's, uh, what do they call him in the making of? They say he's like the guy who says the wrong thing at the wrong time. Like he makes the comment about the, Girls' brains looking like, uh, oh, what does he say? Yes, yes, yes. I don't remember, but. Oh, it looks like some sort of food stuff, doesn't it? It looks like macaroni or something like that. Oh, I can't remember now. I only watched it two days ago. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah, and you've got, uh, Pepper, played by Erica Learson. Uh, she's been in a few things as well. She's in Wrong Turn 2. Yeah, she's great. She, she just spends the time screaming through the whole film, but, you know, what a scream. Yep. But she absolutely. has a few good lines. But yeah, Jonathan Tucker as Morgan was the, is a great character. With the scenes he does with Arlie Ermey when they're in the police car. Oh, man. <laughs> that is intense as hell, that is. Yeah, yeah. But it's... A lot of that was ad-lib between the two actors. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I watched this with um, the commentary the other night. There's three different commentaries on the disc, but um, I played the, the what they call the production commentary. Okay, okay. Marcus Nispel, Michael Bay, Brad Fuller, and the other producer guy whose name I can't remember. Um, and they were talking about when that scene, basically, Ali Ermi and Jonathan Tucker just went off and rehearsed it on their own. And they came back and said, right, this is what we've got. And they just did it in front of the camera. That's it. Very cool. Very cool. That scene where he has the gun in his mouth and he throws up. Yes. That wasn't scripted. That was his idea to do that. And apparently he um, he drank loads of stuff. I can't, it's some American thing, I can't remember what it's called. But they, he drank loads of this stuff to help you throw up before they did the scene, and they did the scene like 15 times or something, and he had to make himself throw up 15 times. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, like a syrup of Ipecac or something? Something like that, yeah, I can't remember what it was called, but uh, not something we have over here, I don't think. So that's dedication for you. The only thing I, thing I wanted to mention, and I don't know whether you thought anything about this, the scene in the caravan with the, what they call the tea lady. Scene in the caravan. When Erin is running away from Leatherface, she runs into a caravan and there's the big fat tea lady. Yes. And the young woman with the baby. Oh, Lord, yes. I love that scene. That was creepy. That, that was is creepy. so fucking creepy, isn't it? God, that was creepy. Son of a bitch. Yeah. And I think that's the only thing that I suppose we'll get into it with the next film, because... Pretty much like the the original Texas Chainsaw films, you don't get any real sense of connection between the family members, what their actual relationships are. Correct. So you sort of have to make it up as you go, and that's sort of why the next film was, was made. Yeah, Erin runs away from Leatherface, she finds this caravan, she goes inside, there's a huge fat lady in there who's drinking tea, and there's a young lady, I think is called Henrietta, who's in there with a baby, and we know that, right, a, ba right. we, we know that a baby's gone missing already, because we've seen the photos. So, uh, yeah, it's just a weird scene. And they give her some tea and they drug the tea and she wakes up with Arlie Ermi pouring beer over her face. It's a really weird scene. And I suppose it's a replacement for the dinner scene in the original. Oh, yes. Because we yes. don't get a dinner scene in this one. We do not. No. Which which is part of the charm. 
Yeah, I mean, that, again, that's the bit that does it slightly differently to what Toby Hooper did. Um, but I don't think it's missed that much. No, no, I don't think so either. I've seen a lot of people complain, oh, there's no dinner scene in it. Well, watch the original then if you want a dinner scene. <laughs> exactly. This isn't that film. And, and that seems to be a lot of people's problem with this is it's not the original because yes. you, you, you pin people down and you say, right, go on, what, what is so bad with this film? Go on, tell us. And it's, oh, well, yeah, I didn't like this actor or that actor. Yeah, but the film itself is good. It's well put together. It's well shot. It's tense. It's gory. It's exciting in places. Yep. And, uh, I think it's brilliant. Five out of five for me. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm with, yep, I'm giving this five smashed whiskey bottles in the mouth out of five. Wow. That's a reference to the Morgan scene, but yeah. I, uh, I only went with four out of five. That's fair enough. It's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Five out of five, Chris. But I love this film. Ever since yes. I, ever since I first saw the trailer where it's got, it's playing, um, is it Song of the Siren over the trailer, which I song I like anyway. It's just fantastic. I love it. I've even got the novelization. <laughs> that's awesome and the, the novelization gives you things that this film doesn't about the connections between the people okay but then the the next film the the beginning totally fucks fucks with it because in the novelization you know old monty the guy in the wheelchair yes that's leatherface's dad uh, and it's leatherface who cut his legs off uh, yes so they do give you some backstory but it's different to where they would go in the next film interesting yes very cool. Well, that one's done and dusted, huh? That one's done and dusted, yeah. Let's move on. To, what are we doing? Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning. Yes. What, 2006, correct? Right, yep, let's play a trailer. Shh, don't cry. Don't cry. Shh. baby. Don't say a word. Mama's gonna buy you. A mockingbird. What are you doing? I never had me a little girl before. Okay. Where are you taking us? Where are you taking us, sir? Amazing grace. What is that? What is that? Come on, boy.
Right then, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, 2006. Directed by Jonathan Liebsman and starring Jordana Brewster, Taylor Handley, Deora Baird, Matt Bomber, Arlie Ermey, Andrew Brynjarski, Lee Turgeson, Terence Evans, Kathy Lamkin and a few other people. I called him Matt Bomber, it's probably pronounced Bomer. I'm not too sure. Right then, I'll start this one. As we've just found out, I absolutely loved the Texas Chainsaw remake. So when this was announced... It was fucking orgasmic as far as I was concerned. Because <laughs> like I said, the previous film sets up a lot of things that don't necessarily get answered, like the connections of the family, how Arlie Ermey's character became the sheriff, bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. And obviously they can't do a sequel because at the end of the first one, Leatherface gets his arm chopped off. So, uh, you know, they sort of... Just... <laughs> shot themselves in the foot with that one so they had to do a prequel and so this is it this is the film that gives you where Leatherface came from um I saw this at the cinema I came out from seeing it and instead of raising my fist in the air like I did with the first one I sort of went yeah that was good I didn't love it <laughs> to be honest I still don't quite know why I was hoping you would take that part and figure that out because I had when I when I saw this and I rewatched it and I've rewatched it three or four times hmm. over the over the years I come to the same conclusion. I'm like, eh, it's all right. And I don't know what it is. I mean, we've got, you know, some of the same characters returning. I mean, actors, but it just, I don't know. I've got to be I honest. I don't know. I'm not that struck on the the four kids in this one. I call them kids. They're in their twenties, but you know what I mean? I'm not as struck on them as I am as the ones in the previous film. I think that's probably the major letdown for me. I think they're fine. I mean, Jordana Brewster's fine as a final girl and all that, but. I don't know. I didn't like the two guys. Andrew Brynjarski's back as Leatherface. Yep, he's, yep. he's awesome. I love when you first see him when he's in the um, slaughterhouse and he's got that, like, handkerchief over his face. I know, right? Covering the bottom half. He looks fucking awesome. That really does look good. Arlie Ermey's back as Sheriff Hoyt or somebody else who becomes Sheriff Hoyt. Yes. Again, he's fantastic. He's got some great one-liners. The best one just being when uh, Leatherface kills the biker which is one of my favourite death scenes ever, when he's having a fight with Lee Turgeson, the biker, yeah. and yes. he falls on the chainsaw, and Leatherface yeah. just starts it up and just lifts it upwards. <laughs> and you just see Arlie Ermey with blood pissing in his face, just going, oh, you beautiful bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that scene. I don't know why, but my favourite scene of the movie was when they have to tell Leatherface to go home because they're shutting down. Oh, yeah. The, the boss says, you go do it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he makes the other dude go out there. And, you know, That's called delegation. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but the just the looks and the yeah. the way that they they framed it and filmed it. I I don't know why, but that it always strikes me as one of the better scenes of the movie. Yeah, and that, the scene where Leatherface actually kills his boss is quite a good scene. That's really brutal. Oh God, no kidding. I watched this with the, the commentary as well with Jonathan Liebsman and Brad Fuller and the other guy whose name I can never remember. And they were saying that when they filmed that scene, Andrew Brynjarski really is hitting that guy around the head. That first, oh, really? blow, that first blow to his head, he really hit him. Obviously, it's a rubber hammer. Ouch. But, but as Jonathan Leeson said, it's a rubber hammer, but it's got a metal rod inside for stability, yes. so it doesn't wobble. Yeah. And he said he really clocked him in the head. <laughs> Oops. He said, he said it looks so good they kept it in the film. Concussion, concussion treatment for my friend, please. But we're going to keep that part. That's it. That's it. But the, the, they sort of stopped it. Said to the actor, "You know, are you, are you fine? Are you okay?" And he's like, "No, carry on. No, it's fine." <laughs> but um, yeah, and John F. Kennedy was president, right? 
Oh, that's right, yeah. Oh, goodness. Then why why isn't it so good? You know, here we're laughing and talking about great scenes and what what happens? I, I don't, just know. don't know. It's a weird one because I think with the previous film, I think it lingers with you. There's something about it. It just lingers with you. And this one, and I always sort of say to myself, oh, it's not as good as the, the remake. It's it's OK. Blah, blah, blah. And then when I put it on while I'm watching it, I always enjoy it. Oh, this is good because there's tons, shit tons of gore. And this is a nasty, nasty film. Right, right. And it looks the same as the previous film. They've managed to sort of replicate Marcus Nispel's lighting and the way he frame shot. And they've done that as well. I know it's a different director. Yeah, I don't know. You come away from it and it's it doesn't linger. And I don't know. And I don't want to say I'm not so keen on the the lead characters. I don't think they're as memorable. Um, nothing wrong with their performance. I just don't think they're as memorable. Uh, the tea lady appears again. Again, she's not. It's supposed this film's supposed to answer the questions that the other film set up. It doesn't. Still doesn't answer who she actually is. I think she's Leatherface's mother, real mother. I, I mean, that's kind of the implication I got. That's right? the implication that they set up in the beginning of the film, but it's never said, and it's. Nobody involved in the making of the film has ever confirmed it. I liked having Lee Turgeson as the biker in it, because I think he's a good actor anyway. Any film that he's in, he's uh, he's always a good presence. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. It's just, it's a weird one. I do like this film. I really do. And say, so when I watch it, I always enjoy it. And I go, oh, that was good. Uh, good bit of gore, good bit of leatherface action, blah, blah, blah. But it just doesn't resonate with me as much as the other one. I am just so ambivalent about it. Mm. It's it just like, yeah, it's, you know, it's not one of those, oh God, it's going to be a chore to watch like Next Generation. No, I say you it, put it on it, and you'll enjoy it. Yeah, it, it's... It's that yeah. old thing of, you know, if you were skipping through the telly channels late at night and it was on, you'd sit and watch it. A- absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But it just, it doesn't have any impact. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it feels a little bit forced. Yes. Because the first one set up so many questions, this one feels it's got to go through certain things. And I think the story is possibly the weakest element of it. Yeah. And I think that's probably why. They set up the story of the kids going, you know, one kid's going off to Vietnam and the other one doesn't want to go. It just doesn't, it doesn't flow like the other film does. Right, right, it doesn't. Yeah. But that said, I do enjoy it. I think it's well made. I think it looks fantastic. The gore scenes are brilliantly done. The acting on the whole is pretty damn good. You know, Ali Ermi, Andrew Brynjarski, they all bring their A-game to it. Lee Turgeson's a great presence. Uh, the guy, Terence Evans, who plays Monty, is uh, he adds a little bit of uh, com- comedy relief, but he's got a couple of uh, good lines in it. <laughs> and they've got the victims tied up under the table, and he comes in and sticks his hand under the table, and just says, I don't interfere in his business, and just walks yeah. off. <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He feels like a, he feels like a slightly different character than he was in the first one. But then I suppose you would be more grumpy once you've had your legs cut off, wouldn't you? Yes. Yes. I think that would tend to breed some grumpiness. Yeah. And that scene where uh, Sheriff Hoyt cuts his legs off. you got to feel for old Monty then, haven't you? You, you kind of almost do. Yeah. You, you really are like. She says, she says, what the hell did you do that for? He just says balance. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and again, Arlie Ermey improvised a lot of his lines in this as well. They were said in the commentary, you've just got to, when he turns up on on set, you just give him a cup, give him a starting place and let him go and see what happens. Oh, goodness. But, uh, yeah, overall for me, like I said, it's not the same as the previous film. It's got niggles. It's got, it, you don't come away with the same sense of 
having seen something that's blown you away. But I still think it's a four star film for me or four smash whiskey bottles in the face. Wow. I can't go. I did toy with going less and it was just like, no, because like we've just done, I've gone through the bits I liked. If I did a list of things I liked and list of things I didn't like, the list of things I like is massive. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. And then I think about other films that I've given ratings to and how I normally do my own ratings. And I think a four. I still, I still think it's a very good film. You know, if you were doing a horror marathon, it would fit right in with any sort of modern gore films that you wanted to put on. I think if you pair it with the 2003 film, they're a nice little double feature. They are, say, they are their own thing away from the Toby Hooper film. I don't connect them in any way whatsoever. No, no, you can't do that. Absolutely. I still think it's, it's a good horror film. What do you think I gave it? I think you went three. Two and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it was, I'm just so, I'm just so blasé about it. I can understand that. If people watched it and came away and went, oh, not for me, I can completely understand that. And I suppose because I'm such a Texas Chainsaw freak, then, you know, this is in the the upper half of the ones that we've already reviewed, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly. You know, and I can appreciate people just like you who like, oh, yeah, I like this part, that part. Yeah. It was just so, so, just, I was just so ambivalent about it. I do like gratuitous gore, and I know a lot of people think that's a wrong thing, but that's that's what I watch horror films for. That's what I watch gore films for. Of course. I like Hostel. I think it's good. I I loved Hostel 3 at the end. (laughs) Did you? I've never heard anyone say that. Come on. That final girl? Uh, To be honest, I haven't watched it for a long time. I can't remember. She she snips his bits, throws them to the dog, and walks out. That's Hostel 2. Is that Hostel 2? Yeah. I thought it was 3. I was going to say, no one says they like Hostel 3. Even the people who made it don't like it. Hostile too, but yeah. I mean that's like that's like the greatest walkout ever of a final girl. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. Where do you go? Snips him off, throws him to the dog, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> Good stuff right there. Right, and so that's Texas Chainsaw Mask at the beginning. Uh, I liked it more than you, but yep. we're still on the side of good, if you like. Yes, yes. I just was, you know, just. It's not a bad movie to me. It's not a great movie. It doesn't stick with me. You know, it's just kind of yeah. one of those. Yeah. Like I said, you you wouldn't turn it off if it was on the telly when you flicked it on. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Right then, let's go on to the third film then. Texas Chainsaw 3D. Texas Chainsaw 3D from 2013. Yes. Let's play a trailer. The beast in me. So do you know anything about this place? Just the address. It's caged by frail and fragile bars. Wow. Restless by day and by night. Rants and rages. Look like Granny likes to play a little pool. What exactly did Granny do for a living? I have no idea. I just learned about her yesterday. The beast in me.
Texas Chainsaw 3D, 2013, directed by John Lussenhop, starring Alexandra Daddario, Tanya Raymond, Scott Eastwood, Sean Sipos, Trey Songs. Fucking names are these. Dan Yeager, <laughs> Tom Barry, Paul Ray, and some other people. Oh, Bill Mosley, Gunnar Hansen, of course. Marilyn Burns, John Duggan. But we'll keep them separate from the main cast because they're legendary. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I have a little story for this film. Well, let's hear it. It's not an exciting story, but it's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sit down with a sherry and a cigar and ready for that. No. It's, um, you know, when you see a certain film in certain circumstances, it tends to stick with you. Yes. Well, I saw this film when it came out over here at the cinema in 3D. It's the only 3D film I've seen since the 80s at the cinema. This wasn't going to be shown anywhere near me in any of the cinemas. I've got a View and an Odeon cinema in where I live. Uh, neither of them were going to show it. The nearest place to me that was going to show it was Bristol, which is an hour's drive away. Okay. And I didn't want to go up into Birmingham, big city, just to see this. So this wasn't going to be shown anywhere near me, so that pissed me off. And then... The View Cinema in my town messaged me on Twitter and said they were doing a one-off screening at midnight on the day of release. Really? Yes. Now, oh, sorry, not the day of release, that was the Friday, on the Saturday night. It was a midnight screening on the Saturday night, one screening, that's it, in 3D. Now, I have a trouble with 3D anyway because I wear glasses and I can't balance 3D glasses on the end of my nose to fucking see. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> But I thought, well, it's Texas Chainsaw. It's the only screen I'm going to have to fucking go and try it, which I did. I look like a right prick. Anyway. <laughs> also, that day was a day that we got severe snow over here. And I so I couldn't drive into town. So I walked into town in the snow at midnight to watch this. Because <laughs> it was the only place I could see it. Oh, God. Yeah. How far of a walk was it? As the crow flies, it's about two miles. Pay me not even that, but you've got to go through snow around the streets and all that sort of stuff. So <laughs> did you get a, did you get a cab on the way home at least? No, I walked home. Oh jeez. So <laughs> yeah, so it's not the most exciting story you're ever going to hear, but it just gives a setting to my dedication to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. <laughs> just ima- just imagine those same circumstances for Next Generation. No, they would have to walk through the snow to bring me the film at my house. I'd, I'd sit and watch it uh, then. Yeah, so that was it. That was Texas Chainsaw 3D. I saw it at the cinema in snowy conditions at midnight. That was it. <laughs> it. I love it, though. That's awesome. But I could just imagine your reaction if it had not been the 3D one, but it had been Next Generation. You'd still be cussing about it. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. If you walk two miles in the snow to see Next Generation, you would you would still be cussing at it. I would still be cussing it. That's exactly right. But anyway, right. The plot for this one is a young woman travels to Texas to collect an inheritance. But little does she know that an encounter with a chainsaw wielding killer is part of the reward. Ooh. Exactly. Yeah. So did you see this at cinemas? I did not. You did not. I did not. And in fact, I never saw it until you recommended that I see it maybe two years ago. Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting in itself because I you uh, said you got to watch it. It's really good. So okay. All right. Yeah. I'll watch it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I watched this again the other night with the commentary, or with a commentary. There's about three or four different commentaries on this disc. There are. There are. 
I actually watched the one with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Carl Mozo, Carl the producer. We'll leave it at that. Carl the producer and Toby Hooper, wasn't it? And Toby Hooper, yeah. Yeah. He's really enjoyable. Yeah. I watched it with the commentary with Bill Mosley, Gunnar Hansen, Marilyn Burns, and John Duggan. <laughs> Which they don't really talk about Texas Chainsaw 3D that much. <laughs> they talk about the other films. But that's cool. But that's cool to, to hear them. But, I mean, Bill Mosley was obviously, he's got some insight because he was the only one out of them who was in Texas Chainsaw 2. So, yeah, that's quite a good commentary. Okay, then. Yeah, so what are your initial thoughts on this? I loved this movie. You loved it? I loved this movie. Okay. Absolutely loved this movie. I loved the end of this movie. It was... <laughs> I just loved it. It was I thought it was a great movie, great storyline, fit right in with the whole Texas Chainsaw family thing. Yeah, it had stupid parts and good parts, but overall I just loved this movie. Okay. Absolutely loved it. Right. <laughs> I didn't think you were gonna love it that much. I do, I do. It's uh yes. Yeah, I, I I think it was just in my mind that this fit so nicely as some sort of a of a sequel, if you yes. will, that it was like, okay, yeah, I could take the time jump where you're not really specific about it. I'm okay with that, and <laughs> it, I'm just, you know, you're like, yeah, I can, I can get on board with this. I, I, I just, I really liked it. Thought it was really, really well done, and the end scene was great. It was yes. awesome. We get the Leatherface slam of the door. You're like, oh yeah, okay. Did you did you get the bit after the credits? Yes, I oh, did. Good, good. Yes, 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 yes. I'm, I was obviously the only person who knew about that in the cinema because everyone else walked out when the credits came up. But I knew there was a post credit bit. So. Yes, I, I I rather loved that one. That was good. Okay. <laughs> All right then. My thoughts on this. When I walked away on that snowy night in 2013, I loved it. And I was like, oh, that was really good. It was a nice surprise because I was expecting it to be terrible. I like the way that they redid the first film, the end of the first film. You know, they obviously went through the sets and got everything looking exactly as it should. Yes. I like Bill Mosley replacing Jim Seedow as uh, Drayton Sawyer. Yep, yep. You know, who else is going to do do that role and do it justice? You know, you know, Bill Mosley's got history with the franchise. So, yeah, I liked seeing him there. Did you see Gunnar Hansen in the house? Absolutely. Yeah, Gunnar Hansen was there, not playing Leatherface, but playing one of the Sawyer family. Yep. John Duggan was back as Grandpa in the background. Yes, he was. I liked the beginning. I really liked it. I liked the whole film. I wrote a review of it at the time for the website I was writing for. I gave it a good score. I've since watched it a couple more times, and I've got to say, I've cooled a little bit on it. Really? Yes. Really? Why is that? I mean, let's be honest. The plot is absolute shite. It's a- absolute shite. It's oh come on. It's it's plausible. All right, and how old is Alexandra Daddario's character supposed to be? I don't know. Does it really matter? Yes. What twenty twenty one? Right. When did the original take place? Well, what nineteen seventy three? Yeah. So if she's twenty twenty one in this film, that makes it nineteen ninety three ninety four. Yeah. All right. All so right. the copper does a walk round with his video phone, yeah. with his iPhone in 1993-94. Yeah, well, you know. They even said this in the documentary on the disc. The, one of the producers even says, we hope nobody would notice. But yeah, we fucked up the timeline. <laughs> they knew they were doing so. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just like uh, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre original remake of 2003. Mm-hmm. They played a Leonard Skinner song, but I don't think it was released yet. They came out a year later. They also yeah. did that in Texas Chainsaw at the beginning. They played Freeze all right now, which didn't come out until about a year later. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, small niggles. Of course, one year versus a decade. I maybe, think in that you know. case, in the case of the music, I think that's more giving you an idea of the time, the era, rather okay. than a specific date. Because when you know you play Sweet Home Alabama, you're in the early seventies. Yes. You know, you play yes. All Right Now, you're in the late sixties, nineteen seventy, that era. Yes. It's like if you know you watch something that's set in the fifties and they play like a Chuck Berry song, you know. Right. Puts you in that place. But couldn't you make that same argument for? Well, I... no. <laughs> All right. I ignored that. I, I was okay with that. That that little niggle didn't bother me one bit. See, I do like this film. I think as a slasher film, I'll call it a slasher film, it's good. I like Dan Yeager as Leatherface. I think he replicates the Gunnar Hansen Leatherface very well, with the movement and everything. He does really well. I, I absolutely agree. The way he gives him the limp that yep, yep. Gunnar Hansen's one got in the first film. I'm okay with all that. I think Alexandra Daddario is a great final girl. I think she's great in most films that she's in anyway. Great, absolutely great actress. Nothing to do with her obvious attributes, but the fact fact she's in the Baywatch remake will make me go and watch it. Damn it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) No, no. You know what? You put Pollyanna McIntosh in there too, and I'd be like, I'd go to the theater. (laughs) I hope that one's in 3D. (laughs) I'll be paying for it in 3D anyway. Oh god. Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah but she's a great final girl in this. I don't like the rest of the young people in it. I think they're all a bit yeah. Oh yeah, you can't wait till they're you know. Yeah, apparently there's a rapper is it a rapper or something? Trey songs or something? I don't know. Yeah, 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 something like that, yeah. Well, yeah, you just want him to go quick. I wanted him to die anyway, just because yep. I heard one of his songs. But I mean things like they set him up in the beginning, the first scene you see him in, he's boxing on a punch bag. Yes. Think, oh, this is a guy who's gonna fight, you know. That right, doesn't right, come right. back into the film whatsoever. There's no payoff for that. There's just little bits like that. And I think when you go through it with a proper critical eye, you think, why does this film exist? It shouldn't really exist. And I know no. I know Toby Hooper's film, Toby Hooper's sequel went off in a different direction and went off in a comedy direction. And this is they're trying to bring this back to make it a proper sequel. But I don't know, I just feel now when I watch it and I see... You know, you get the end of the first film and then you see the rest of the Sawyer clan turn up. You think, no, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. It, none of that fazed me for some reason. It didn't phase me when I first saw it. And I just think the more I watch it, you know, I mean, I am an apologist for this series. And I do like this film. I don't think this is a terrible film at all. I do enjoy it when I'm watching it. But I just think I put that critical eye in and I'm just like, really? It feels forced. Would these people do that? These decisions they're making aren't very good. Well, I mean, let, let's be honest. On the original, or I'm sorry, on the commentary I watched, mm. the producer said if she'd only read the letter, none of this would have happened. Yes. Yeah. I mean, of course. <laughs> you know, so yeah, there's a whole lot of... And the lawyer I, character, why didn't the lawyer tell her? Exactly. I mean, it just, there's a whole lot of that kind of stuff, but I will be an apologist for this movie all day long for whatever reason, because I just really like it. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the same way, you know, like Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, you know, some people criticize that for making no sense. You know, Ken Furry gets a chainsaw to the head and survives. Well, yeah, minor problem. Yeah, when we covered that, we said, you know, again, if this film was on telly late at night, oh, it's on, I'll sit and watch it. And I will with this. I think this is well made. I think it looks good. 
there's some good scenes in it, some good kills, but I just think all in all, it feels a little bit too forced, a little bit too, we don't know what we're doing. We're making it up as we go along just to keep the light, get the name out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And in the documentary, the producer says, oh, we've, we've got a contract to make six more Texas Chainsaw films. And you think, well, what? What? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what? And this is the best story you could come up with for the first one. Oh, God, we're, we're screwed. So, you know. They, they're going to make six more of them? Well, they say they are. I don't think they will because I don't think they're going to get the box office. Holy I don't think. Crap. I don't think they'll get the return, to be honest, because there is a new one coming due out this year, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Leatherface or something? Yeah, it's an, another prequel. So I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go from here. I I think if you were going to reintroduce the Leatherface character, I just don't know if this was the best film to do it in. That said, it could have been a lot fucking worse. You know, we, it could have been the next generation. You know, it's. Fucking head and tails above that film, for sure. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Again, it's one of those, if people say they love it, I can see why. Again, it's entertaining. There's good gore. The acting on the whole isn't that bad. And it does feed into the original film quite well. But and if, I think that's that's what did it for me, is I really yeah. felt that it actually made a connection. Yeah. You know. So if people say they love it, I can see that. If people say they don't like it, I can see that as well, because the story is all over the place. And so one, once you start picking it apart, Yes. It is nonsensical, yes. really. Yeah, but I like the nonsensical thing. I, I don't know. I actually gave this, believe it or not, four out of five whiskey bottles to the head. Oh, I gave it three. Wow, okay, okay. When I originally reviewed this on my, in my previous life, I think I gave it four when I first saw it. Well, there's all, often movies where we make mistakes on rating them on the first view and then we go back and we reflect and we watch again when you watch a film at the cinema you're only basing on that one viewing aren't you yeah yeah you are and when you've got it on blu-ray you can watch it whenever you like so exactly so yeah i I do like it i do enjoy it when i'm watching it but i don't think it stands up to a critical proper critical look you know what it probably it probably doesn't no but uh yeah it's uh i do like the post i do like the poster for it though it's a good poster. Mm. It's a good poster. I, I like the ending. You know, the, the last few scenes. I like the scene of the, the industrial slaughter thing or wherever they were. I love that scene. Did you like the do your thing, cuz, line? <laughs> I know. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome in a good way or in a bad way? In a good way. <laughs> you know, one of the things I found most interesting about this is that opening montage with the, the original Chainsaw movie. Mm. That the, the film guys had to go check out an original negative, original print. Yes. From, U, from UTs, scan it, restore it, and convert it to 3D to get it to work with everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah they, I, they did their own work on this. Yeah, I, I thought that was really, really, really interesting. I think the one interesting thing is when Bill Mosley was asked to be in it, um, he thought he was coming back to play Chop Top. Really? Yeah. Because originally, Bill Mosley actually put in a story treatment for this, and uh, huh. he was told, no, apparently his was the second story they were going to go with if they didn't go with this one. Okay, okay. But yeah, apparently when he was asked to be in it, and he went down for the audition or whatever, and uh, he, he was under the impression he was going to be chopped up, which interesting. would have been interesting. And uh, they said, no, no, we want you to play the, the Jim Seadow character. So he thought his role was going to be bigger. There is a, a cut scene as well with him talking to Leatherface. Ooh. Yes, which was chop, chopped out the film, but it is available. There you go. Three from me and a four from you. Yep. 
Exactly. There we go then. So that's our look at the Texas Chainsaw series. Obviously, we've got a new one coming out later in the year, which I'm sure we'll give some coverage when we get to it. We should, absolutely. We should. So do you want to rate these films in our order of preference? Oh, God. I knew you were going to ask that about 45 minutes ago. I thought in my head, (laughs) shit, Chris is going to ask to rank these. Yes. Oh, God. Man, oh, man. That's that's tough. Uh, I don't think it's that tough. I think I know where we're going to differ. Yeah, well, I have to do this on the fly because I didn't prepare for this part. Well, you should have done. <laughs> I, you know what? I should have done that. You know so, we always do that at the end of a franchise. <laughs> I know. What the hell was I thinking? So let me go first. So obviously yeah. number one for me is TCM. The original. Seventy-four. the original. Yeah, same here. My number two, I'm going to have to go with the remake. Yep, yeah, same here. Okay. Here's where we're going to differ. You know where I'm going to go on number three. Number three for me is Texas Chainsaw 3D. Right. I'm going with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Mm. I, for the next one, am going to go with TCM 3. Okay. I'm going to go Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Beginning. Wow. I'm going to go with TCM 2 for number five. Okay. I'm going to go Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. So that leaves the beginning for me. Yeah, well, 3D for me. Wow. And then we're both agreed on the last place. God almighty, that was easy. (laughs) Of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation. Yes. So really our our big difference is I love 3D a lot more than you. Yeah, and I like 2 a lot more than you. Yes. And not that 2 was bad. No. But if i got to rank them, you know. I I think, like I said before, I think 2 is one of those films, if you watch the presentation of it in the Blu-ray, I think that will up your opinion of it. Okay, okay. It looks brilliant on Blu-ray. Okay. But, um, yeah, and like I said, Texas Chainsaw 3D, it's my second to last one, but the gap between that and Texas Chainsaw Next Generation is huge. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Even though I put it as my second to last one, I still like it. It's just I prefer Texas Chainsaw 3. (laughs) one side and the other film is there's a huge drop off before you get to next generation i mean that could go six and then the next one is like seven million yeah i mean it's yeah that gap is is grand canyon wide exactly exactly so there we go yeah that's the texas chainsaw massacre series done i'm glad we've we've done those yes yes like i said i mean when leatherface comes out if it gets a theater screening over here i'll go and see it snowing or not Wouldn't that be spooky if it was snowing again? And if Matthew McConaughey made a guest appearance with a, you know, a crazy bionic-powered leg thing. Oh, yeah. I think they should do Texas Chainsaw Massacre versus Machete in space. (laughs) You heard it here. I want to credit when they do that. Oh, God. I'll go on to Danny Trejo on Twitter later. That's right. You could probably send a one-paragraph treatment. That's all you need for that. He'd sign up for it. Right then. Right then. On the shelf, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right then. We've had some feedback from our friend uh, Tom Elliott from uh, as, Strange and Deadly Show. As well as our buddy Gore Blimey. As well as Gore Blimey. We'll get to him in a moment. Let's do Tom's first. We'll play his feedback and then we'll uh, have a little discussion. Hello, Chris and Myron. It's Tom Elliott again from the Strange and Deadly Show. Flying solo this time and I thought I'd send you a bit of feedback on the last three chainsaw films okay so texas chainsaw massacre 2003 i think is 
probably the second best Texas Chainsaw movie after the original. I think you can really hold up the original and this and have two different experiences, two really good experiences, and the two of them coexist really nicely together. I love the remake. I think it's a great movie, quite brutal. I remember at the time, you know, the usual fans whining, they oh, they shouldn't remake this, shouldn't remake that, but here's a movie where, yeah, okay, it's a bit slicker, but it's still quite grimy and, and grisly in its own way. It has its own take on the Chainsaw family, which is a bit different from the original one. So I think it's a it's a cracker movie, and uh, I really get a lot of pleasure out of it. Now, its sequel, or prequel, should I say, slightly different kettle of fish. You know, they were trying to restart the Chainsaw franchise with the 2003 remake, but they kind of shot themselves in the foot or the, or the arm by cutting Leatherface's arm off, you know, and hobbling him in that way. So they were pretty much left with, well, we've got to do a prequel. And I don't think it's it's terrible per se. It, it's watchable. It, it's okay. But it does have that thing where, as a sequel, it just feels like an inferior version of the first one. It just feels like a inferior version of the other one. And you used to get that with sequels a lot back in the day. You know, things like... Retain the Living Dead, and then they'd knock out another one, which was okay, but just felt like a bit of a knockoff of the first one. So that's my thoughts on uh, the prequel, Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. It's all right, I can watch it, but I, I'm not that into it. Now, Texas Chainsaw 3D, or Texas Chainsaw, whatever you would call it, I feel is a bit misjudged. Now, I think, Chris, I might have read in the past, I can't remember that you're you're quite a fan of it or you think it's all right or something along those lines and on a certain level i can watch it and think well it's no worse than any other slasher movie in a way but i i think where it falls down for me is that they did make such a big deal of it being a sequel to the original texas chainsaw massacre and we saw all these screenshots of bill mosley playing uh, Drayton Sawyer and I was thinking man it's going to be great seeing what he does with that character it looked like it was set in the same period so it was like great you know they'd done this pretty much spot on uh, version of the Chainsaw House and they say wow you know they're doing a proper sequel because much as I love Chainsaw Massacre 2 it, it feels like a different universe so they made it and they brought it out and then it's this sort of it, it jumps forward in time and to uh and it, it becomes quite funny how they never put an actual time on anything so you don't know exactly how far forward it is and you know like i say it's no worse than a lot of other slasher movies but i think it's a bit of a missed opportunity in terms of what a chainsaw sequel could have been if they were going to set a period uh, at that time so you know i can't say i'm hugely looking forward to this new prequel film that they're doing where it's the origin of leatherface but as always we're fans of this stuff and we eat it up so i will i will watch it so anyway i've took up enough of your time i am looking forward to the show keep up the great work fellas and i'll speak to you soon right then so that's tom's feedback thanks very much tom I think Tom's pretty much on board with, with me, or most of that, to be honest. 
You know what? I think you're exactly right. It, he's right with you on the uh, the uh, and me actually for the remake being the second best. Yes, I think we. Jeez, I think we hit all of his points that he mentioned. I think so. I think I liked the beginning a little bit more than he did, but he, yeah. did, he didn't dismiss it. Nope, nope, nope. He didn't dismiss it. And I think we were on point. All three of us are on point, with exception of I think I like 3D a whole lot more than you guys did. Yeah, although Tom did allude to the fact that when I first saw it, I did rave about it a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not raving so much now, but uh, no, no, no. I'm glad it's nice he remembers. Exactly. Somebody cares. Right. That's right. Tom always cares. Tom always cares. Old big Papa Tom. He's great. <laughs> yeah, I know he is. Fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, it, I think those are the big differences. Is that we all three of us like the first and the remake a lot. Yeah, I like three D a lot more than you guys did. There you go. Right then, we've also had some more audio feedback from our friend Gore Blimey. Yep. I am Gore Blimey on Twitter. Let's hear from Gore. Let's hear from him. Hello, Myron and Chris. This is Gore Blimey here, on Twitter as at IamGoreBlimey. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my favourite horror films, so I couldn't resist having a look at the 2003 remake and thought I'd let you know what I thought. Must admit, I didn't have high hopes for this at first. I thought it's an unnecessary remake of a huge horror icon. Michael Bay's involved, so it will probably be overloud with big explosions and nonsense. And the production company is Platinum Dunes, who've been involved in several horror movie remakes that I didn't think were a patch on the originals. As it turns out, um, I was pleasantly surprised. OK, I don't think it's quite up there with the 1974 version, but it's a pretty good roller coaster of a ride, which looks amazing, has a great sense of dread throughout, builds up and maintains tension well, has decent acting, impressive special effects, and overall I had a lot of fun watching it. It might not have the sweaty, grimy rawness of the original, if anything it feels quite slick and slightly glossy, but I think it stands up well as a horror film by itself. It tells the same story, with a few tweaks and additions, but has a very different feel to it, which is an observation rather than a criticism. It also acknowledges and pays homage to the first film. Most of the iconic scenes are here, some with interesting tweaks, like the opening voiceover and creepy camera flash noises, Leatherface's shock first appearance and the twitching victim, the infamous meat hook scene, the lorry towards the end, Leatherface's leg injury with the chainsaw, Leatherface's angry chainsaw dance, they all make an appearance. Even when it deviates from the original, it still references it. For example, when the final girl being chased stops suddenly in front of a meat hook, she pauses long enough for us to clock it as an iconic symbol of the original, then pushes it aside, as if it's telling us this is where what you think you know will happen ends. Okay, it has its faults. It's not exactly subtle. There are a few cheap jump scares. There's the irritating fake scare of the Joker pretending to be attacked as a prank. But on the plus side, it's filled with absolutely gorgeous photography. I think the cinematographer also worked on the original. The camera work, lighting design and the gruesome and very detailed set design mean that visually this really impressed me. And that shot of the camera pulling back through a gunshot head wound through a broken rear window, some might say is a bit gimmicky, but you have to admit it's really well done. I also liked what they did with the characters too. No Franklin for a start, that was a big plus. They made the Sheriff character absolutely terrifying, and I don't just mean because of his gravity-defying eyebrows, and I liked the introduction of some seriously creepy new people, like the old man in the wheelchair and the women in the caravan. 
So anyway, I enjoyed this a lot more than I expected to. I don't feel it has the classic status of the original, but it is scary and it's entertaining and it's fun and it does what it does well. And I like that. Thank you very much, Mr. Gore. And uh, he really liked, liked the remake as well. He did like the remake, didn't he? He, uh, he hasn't seen the others, I don't think, he said on Twitter. So he's only given us the feedback for the one. But it was one, it was one of those where you kind of, I guess with any remake, at least from my perspective, you watch it and you're like, okay, where's this going? And seemed he was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and and that's a good thing, you know, because like I say a lot of time when you have a remake, you tend to have an idea of where it's going to go and what it's going to do because you've seen the original. And it's nice that he can watch a film like this and nail some of those points where he thinks it's going, and then other times he's completely surprised by it. Yeah, yep. which is which is good. It's good. It's testament to the movie. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thank you, Tom, and thank you, Gore Blimey, for taking the time to give us some feedback and listen. Yes, it's always nice to get feedback. So if you want to send us feedback for anything that we've covered or we're likely to cover or anything we're not going to cover, whatever you want to send us feedback for. Send it to ancient slumber podcast at gmail.com or you can get us on Twitter at ancient underscore slumber. And both Mara and I are also on Twitter and we're on Letterboxd as well. Absolutely. Moving on, we got the final two films from our Arrow Video American Horror Project box set to have a look at, which we've both seen over the past couple of weeks. Uh, they are The Premonition from 1976 and The Witch You Came From The Sea, also from 1976, which was a great year because that's the year I was born. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> also the year that Rocky came out as well. So there you go. Which I saw in the theatre. Did you? I, I did. I didn't. I it, No, no, but I, I did. Ah, well, there you go. So it was a good year all round. So, yeah, let's start with uh, The Witch Who Came From The Sea. So I shall play a trailer. Turn on your television set. Find out what's happening in the real world. See it in black and white. God made all of us perfect. How close do you want to be to the woman in your life? We don't know if it's true or not unless it's on television. Why was Grandpa lost at sea? I don't know. Because he was perfect. Too good to live on land. She's a witch. Come out of the sea. She's not a witch. She's beautiful. Every time you turn around, you see him. Seventy-six, directed by Matt Simba and starring Millie Perkins, Lonnie Chapman, Vanessa Brown, Mark Livingston, Jean-Pierre Camps, Peggy Fury, Stafford Morgan, Rick Jason and George Buck Flower. Right then. What did you think? Have you seen this before? 
No, no, I did not. See, I have. This came out over here a few years ago in a box set from Anchor Bay called Box of the Band 2. They put a load of, like, video nasties into a box set. Oh, gosh. And this what if they in... do some of... Oh, man. Ah, yeah, you see. That's, oh, that sounds like a brilliant kind of, uh, dang, that sounds like really a brilliant kind of a box set to have. Yeah, there's two. There's Box of the Band 1 and 2, and they both come with films. I mean, there's Evil Dead, Tenebrae, Last House on the Left, Spit on Your Grave, Driller Killer, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain, there's a couple of others. But they also come with documentaries called Ban the Sadist Videos, which are about okay. the, whole, the whole video nasties thing. Oh, right, 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 right. Really, really good sets to get. But anyway, yeah, so I've I've seen this before. A strange film, this one. I like it. I do too. And it's it's weird. A bit like with Texas shows at the beginning. You know where I said I it didn't film with something and I don't know why? This film, I like it and I don't know why. Because, <laughs> because I mean, apart from the fact it's got the most brilliant poster of any film ever, I think, which has got absolutely nothing to do with what's in the film. No, nothing. nothing. <laughs> but it is a brilliant poster. Nothing. I'll put I'll put that up on the uh, on the podcast page on the yeah, website. Yeah, nothing to do with the film at all. But it is great. I think the story. I mean, the story is a, a woman is haunted by memories of child abuse from her father, and it sort of drives her mad into a, into a into a murder spree. Yes, it's quite a simple story, but it's quite a drawn out film. But it's not boring. It, it's not boring at all. the The only part that I found was boring was when she at the end when she was. At that house, kind of sort of confessing and all that, I thought, oh boy, they could have edited this part out. Yeah, yeah. It's a very haunting film. It's got a sort of dreamlike quality to it, which sort of reminded me a bit of some of the early Argento stuff. It's, yeah. It's got a European yeah. feel to it. Absolutely, it does have a very European feel to it. Uh, yeah, it's a very odd film, but say it's, you're watching it and you don't know why you're liking it. Because, I mean, this may sound a bit weird, but to the untrained eye, if you were showing this to somebody who wasn't into horror films or anything at all, they'd probably go, well, that's quite boring. Yes. Yes, they would. Yeah. But it's not. It owes a lot to a lot of Italian giallo, I think. Um, there's lots of nudity in it, which is obviously always a plus for me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> the performances are very good. I, I on the tell whole. you what, that uh, Millie Perkins. Yeah. She nailed that crazy woman. Oh, boy. Did you watch God. the special features? I did watch some, yes. The making of. Yeah, yes, she, yes. She, she's about 79 now. She looks pretty good for her age. She was, she's was. she been around a bit in Hollywood. Yeah, no kidding. She Jack was, Nicholson, right? right? Yeah, Jack Nicholson. And there was another name that she dropped. Uh, not Warren Beatty, but it's someone of that era. She was actually married to Robert Tom, who wrote this film at the time. Correct. He died not long after it came out, I don't think. But yeah, she's uh, been around a bit. The old girl, why not? <laughs> she did it was i mean it, i think for me that was part of the draw that kept me in this movie was her performance of the crazy person yeah she balances crazy and normal very well oh geez you were to the point where you weren't quite sure unless unless the camera gave you an indication you weren't quite sure what she was seeing was real or not yeah exactly it just uh you know yeah. and, and again it, it's a subject matter which in the 70s you tended to get more adult horror films, which uh, Stephen Thrower alludes to this on the intro to The Premonition, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, he talks about how in the 70s, horror films were a lot more serious and say a lot more adult. You know, in the 80s, you got your Friday the 13th and your Nightmare on Elm Street, where it was always teenagers in peril. Right, right, right. Whereas in the 70s, you got films like The Witcher Came to the Sea and The Premonition, where it was adults in peril. 
it wasn't young kids, you know, going camping. It was, uh, you know, your average mum and dad with a family. Right, right, right. You know, these were people in their 30s and 40s who were coming across these situations and, and not knowing how to deal with them. And, uh, I don't know, The Witch Who Came From The Sea, it's, it's not especially graphic, but there is a tone to it. You know, the underlying subject is incest and child abuse from her father. Yep. And you, there's a couple of scenes that are cut it a little bit fine in terms of what they're going to show. Yeah, they, they, they were... That one with her dad was a little... Ugh. Yeah, the dad laying on top of the little girl oh, pump, pumping away was a little yeah. bit... Um, <laughs> I was going to try not to say that, Chris, but it, yeah, it was a little... Well, you uh, know, yeah, we'll, we'll say it, it's there. I mean, you know? yeah, but... Oy, that was uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, and, and they talk about that in the making of when the guy who played the dad, who was actually known to the little girl, who plays the little girl, he was like Uncle John, he called he was a friend of her dad so they had to sort of counsel her before they went into the scene to say this is what we're going to do you know uncle john's not going to hurt you this is part of the film well that sounds creepy when i say it like that <laughs> but, uh, it's uh, yeah it, the whole thing is shall i just go now yes <laughs> it's yeah but you know what i mean obviously it's a touchy subject to put onto a film and when they submitted it to the MPAA, the director, Matt Simba, said, you know, he got, he basically got a bollocking from them. He's like, you can't film this. You can't put this subject on film. But I think he done it in a way which doesn't say it's not overly graphic in terms. You don't see any little child's body parts or anything like that. No, 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 no. I, I, it's just it's very uncomfortable because yes, it's uncomfortable viewing because your mind is like going where it shouldn't. And it's mm. very effective and it's very uncomfortable. And it's like very creepy and eww. yeah and there's one obvious scene where the little girl goes walks down the hallway and she opens a cupboard door and her dad's inside there naked just leering at her yes it's like oh shit <laughs> you know yeah and, yeah and that's as effective a sort of uncomfortable jump scare as if if she opened the cupboard and michael myers stepped out with a knife you know you do sort of go oh, shit yeah yeah i think michael myers is better well, yeah, I mean, Michael Myers would run a quick stab with the knife and it's over, whereas she opens the door and it's quite a slow scene where she just, you see the camera pan up from her dad's feet. Yes. His face and he's, you don't see his bits, but he's naked. Yeah. And yeah. he's, he's like, oh, wow. You know. <laughs> what the hell? Actually, now I talk about this film, it's sheer filth, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. But it's a very well put together film. I and mean, obviously Matt Simba was obviously very careful about what he could and couldn't show. Yeah, yep. it's quite a haunting film. I think the Blu-ray cleanup is pretty good. It's not amazing because, you know, this is a film that was from the 70s. You know, you've got grain and you've got cigarette burns and all sorts of things in the film itself. But it looks pretty good. It looks better than the blue, the DVD that I've got. Yeah, it's uh, they cleaned it up well where they didn't lose any of that 70s grindhouse kind of thing. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's still some of the scenes look a lot brighter and cheerier. You know, they're by the sea. The sun's out. Bloody, bloody, bloody. Right. Yep, yep, yep. The lighting's good in all the films. It looks it looks quite nice. But again, it's an aerial package. It's really well put together. There's, you know, chock full of special features. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, we got a, uh, there's a making of documentary, which is, about, I think it's about 20 minutes long. It's not very long. There's an audio commentary from director Matt Simba, uh, Millie Perkins, and the DOP Dean Cundy, who worked on Halloween later on. Interviews with Matt Simba and Dean Cundy, the actor John Goff, who played the abusive father. It's a nice little package. It's a creepy little film. If you haven't seen it before, don't go into it expecting anything that the poster gives you because the poster is very deceiving. Yeah. But uh, yes, yeah, creepy little horror film. 
And that whole tattoo thing, when you figure out what that's about, it's even creepier. It's like, Ooh. oh yeah, yeah, the guy, yeah, and there's the guy with the tattoos on his face as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right, right. But you know, overall, great movie. What did they restore it from, Chris? It's a 2K restoration. Okay. Say so it's as good as you're ever going to make this film look. I think. Right, right, right. What are you giving this one? Three and a half stars. Three and a half mermaid tattoos. You are giving it. <laughs> I'm giving it three. Oh, very close then. Three, yeah. It's a solid three, though. Yeah. Yeah. I did toy with a three and a half and all things adding up. And I went, no, I went with a three. So, I mean, anything over a three is sort of a recommend, I think. So. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, one of these days you and I should set what our criteria are for one through five. Oh, I know, but I just make it up as I go along normally. I know, me too. Trouble is when you do that and you say, right, this is how my rate... And as soon as you deviate from that slightly, people go, oh, you said... Yeah. Wagging the finger at you. (laughs) I'd go with anything over a three is a recommend. Yeah, yeah. A two and a half is a not good but not bad. Below that is you, you take your chances, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, three for me, three and a half from you. Okay, let's move on to the premonition. You are witnessing an experiment in parapsychology. Some call it the science of the future. Others denounce it, along with ESP, clairvoyance, and reincarnation. But it is perhaps the only help left to protect this woman and her family from the possessive nightmare of her own premonitions. How do you account for it? According to the present laws of physical science, I couldn't. She says it did happen. Yes. And other equally inexplicable events may occur as well. Turn on the light. Miles, please. The premonition, inspired by insanity and hatred. This place belongs to somebody. We can't come in here and look on this lake like this. Come on. There's death. There's death in this lake. Hatred that will not die, even after death. The premonition is so real, you'll sense it, feel it, see it. Or will you? And all you may have to fear is that you can lose your mind. Right, Premonition from 1976, directed by Robert Allen Schnitzer, that's an unfortunate name, and starring Sharon Farrell, Edward Bell, Danielle Brisebois, Richard Lynch, Jeff Corey, Margaret Graham, and lots of other people I don't know. (laughs) 
The premonition tells the tale of a young girl who is terrified that her insane mother will take her away from her beloved foster mother. One day, the crazed real mother attempts to contact the girl at school, but her foster mother has a premonition and gets there in time to protect the girl. Eventually, though, the real mother and her boyfriend, who is a carnival clown, succeed and take her away, leaving the bereaved foster parents to enlist the assistance of a parapsychologist to help them interpret the foster mother's terrifying dreams and her psychic connection to the girl and find her before it is too late. Well, there's a lot in there. That's about it. Okay. Have you seen this one before? No. No, I haven't. No, me neither. And you know what's so funny about it is when I popped it in, you hit play and you know you get the arrow thing and you play the movie and you see Mikhail Rostov coming out of his trailer in ballet clothes and doing this what can only be described as a Tai Chi move with a white scarf. You mean Richard Lynch? I mean Mikhail Rostov. He will always be Mikhail Rostov. Oh, is that a character he played? Okay. Dude, do you not know who that is? I know who Richard Lynch is. Which film are you alluding to? Because he's, he's something different to me, I expect. Invasion USA. Ah, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's all that I thought when I saw him. And I apologize because I know he's, uh, he's got an immense body of work. He's a tremendous actor. He does it well. Well, I know him from the film Bad Dreams from the 80s. But, uh, yeah. I, and I'm thinking, okay, I've never had a horror movie open with a white scarf Tai Chi move with a dude in ballet shoes. Have you not? No, have you? <laughs> oh, all the time. Yeah, shit, you know. <laughs> it's a very, um, again, I think there's a bit of a European influence going on. Okay. Massively, I think. Yeah, uh, the director does allude to that in the documentary. Did you watch the documentary? I'm trying to think if I did. No, not on this one. I watched, uh, I took the path of watching the shorts of director. Oh, right. See, I did the opposite. I didn't watch yeah. the short films. I watched everything else. <laughs> And, and you know what? You watch his short films and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, all right. I I know where he's coming from now. You know, you're like, okay, I, this makes a lot more sense. The director, I think, when you watch the documentary, he came across very, what I would call hippy-dippy, a very spiritual person. And if you watched his shorts, you, you will absolutely bring that home. Yeah, um, he's obviously smoked an exotic tobacco or two in his time. At least. At yes. least, yeah. Which is fine. Obviously, I'm not against any of that. But um, yeah. if that's what you want. But I think the crowning... We'll talk about the film in a minute. The crowning piece for me on this disc was the 16-minute interview with Richard Lynch, which, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you go back and do it. Absolutely. Cause he's I watched as, that one. No, no, no. I loved it. He's as mad as a bicycle, isn't he? <laughs> he is crazy. <laughs> And he keeps on saying, I'm not being pretentious. I'm not being pretentious. You are. You fucking are. <laughs> you know, I work with Al Pacino. I work with Gene Hackman, blah, blah. Where are they now? <laughs> They're not in Rob Zombie's Halloween remake, are they? I do love Richard Lynch. I think he's great. I mean, obviously, it's a great loss. He's no longer with us. Was he in the uh, Halloween remake? Yeah. He is the principal of the school when young Michael Myers gets... Uh, I tell enough. How can you not recognise him with a face like that? Oh, I know. It's, I, 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 it's been a long time since I've seen the remake. I'm going to have to fire that bad yeah. boy up. He's, he's the principal. <laughs> yeah, he's great. So he's absolutely oh. batshit. He's, and I think along with the director, um, and I don't wish this to sound horrible, I think they've got a higher opinion of this film than it actually deserves. <laughs> I think so too. It's, um, 
It's not a bad film. It's not bad. It's not knowingly, but I think we've done a good thing here of pairing this with The Witch Who Came From The Sea. I, I think so, too. Because uh, Malatesta's Carnival of Blood, the other film in the set, is a very, very different film to these two. Oh, dear Lord, yes. Uh, Leap Year is different. And these two go... Uh, this, again, it, it's very dreamy in places. There's a lot of fla- flashbacks and dream sequences. Which really doesn't help this film, to be honest. It doesn't help it like it did in The Witch Who Came From The Sea. Correct. I think this film would have benefited from them being more straight ahead and realistic and possibly even a bit more brutal, if you know what I mean. Yep. No, 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 no. I know exactly what you're saying. And I think what they're... I mean, obviously, it's to do with child kidnap and sort of the psychic link between the uh, foster mother and the daughter and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. it alludes to other films around at the time, like Carrie, and then onto the Entity and things like that. It is very seventies. It's very grown up. It's very adult. I just think the pacing's off, and I think just as you get something interesting, like you get some any any scene with Richard Lynch in, he's fantastic because he just fills the screen. Oh, he's mad as a hatter. Again, he's got the, he's got the face of a villain, you know, and he's when he's on screen, you're glued to him. When he's off the screen, there's not a lot happening because not the other the other actors aren't particularly great. I didn't mind the character of the foster father. I think he, as the film went on and more things happened, he he stepped up a little bit more. But I didn't like the foster mother. I didn't like the actress. I didn't like the character. It was wretched. I I enjoyed the um, the woman that he was uh, the parapsychology woman. Didn't you think they were going to get it on at some point? Oh dear foster lord, father yes. and the, oh yeah. Yeah, I've been been happy if he told the foster mother to fuck off and went off with the other one. (laughs) I thought, you know, they were, you know, they had a date at the carnival. I thought, oh, here we go. Here we go. I did like the detective. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name. I can't either. But yeah, no, he was great. Uh, Jeff Corey. It's great. He was great. He, I don't know why he reminded me of a grizzled Al Pacino. I was going to say Columbo. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Where, you know, you almost have this kind of a bumbling gentleman, nonspecific. But at the end of the day, he, you know, he knows what he's doing. He knows what's going on. Exactly. Yeah, even though he doesn't act like it, he knows what's going on. Um, yep. 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 I thought he was a good actor. I thought he, I liked his character. I just think there's a disconnect in a lot of the scenes from this film, and it's yeah. only it's only an hour and a half long. Thankfully, but it felt a lot fucking longer. <laughs> oh God, I thought it was three hours long when I was watching it. Yeah. But you know, it's it's uh, you you're jumping between now. I can't think of his name. All I can think of is Rostov. Richard Lynch. You're jumping between Richard Lynch scenes because when he comes on, it's bang. Okay, here we go. Yeah. And then and then it's like, uh, okay, well, here we have Miles and his assistant, not his assistant, but his colleague. Yeah, this is all right. Oh, God, here comes another one with the mother. Mm. <laughs> you yes, know. Yes. And I think if, again, Stephen Thrower, who introduces the film, he, he alludes to this where he says it's quite a simple story and you think you know where it's going to go, but it doesn't. Yes. And that's absolutely true. That's true, and it's interesting, but I think if they had made this where, like I said, more straightforward, you've set up your characters, make Richard Lynch the big bad guy, and let him run riot with the material, I think you would have got something a bit more interesting. Yeah. And a bit more gripping, and a bit more satisfying when it gets to the end, because the film just ends. Yeah, yeah, it it does. I mean, spoil it, the little girl manages to return to the to the mother, the foster mother, you don't see the payoff of what happens to the Richard Lynch character because the last you see of him, he's in a fight with the foster father in a caravan. You know, the detective comes in and you see them all in the caravan, but then the camera just moves to what's happening outside. You don't see any payoff. Yeah, 
exactly. You know, it's a weird ending. It's, it's like, a oh. weird ending. Is this so? Yeah, you've got the girl back, but what's happening to the to the villain? You know, right, right. So yeah, it's it's an odd one. I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't dislike it. I just yeah, it's an odd movie. I can see why it's I can see why it's almost a forgotten film from that era, and why Arrow decided to bring it back. Absolutely. But I can also see why it was forgotten in the first place. <laughs> If you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's, again, it's another Arrow package that it's chock full of specials that are almost more entertaining than the movie. I might go back and watch it again with the comment, the director's commentary. I think that might. I don't know if I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe oh, that'll no, help. No, I'm sort of intrigued to why he did certain things the way he did, which maybe that'll uh, give us some light on it. But yeah, there's an audio commentary with uh, Robert Schnitzer. There's uh, a new interview with uh, the composer, Henry Mollicone. There's quite a good score to the film, I will say that. The interview with Richard Lynch, I think, is worthy of a DVD set all of its own. (laughs) He really is mental, but in a good way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and there's some, like you said, there's some short films on there from from the director, along with some trailers and lots of other bits and bobs. Yeah. So it's it's quite a full package. Uh, The film itself looks pretty good. That's, it's been tidied up. There's a few lines and grain and bits and bobs here and there, but you know, it's not a special effects heavy film, so it doesn't really matter. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a curious one. It's an interesting one. I think if, if I was compiling a book of 70s horror films, it would certainly be there, along with Carrie and, uh, what was the other one I said earlier on? The Entity, even though that came a little bit later in the early 80s, but it, it's, the vibe is very much there. But I just think it needed perhaps a, a better filmmaker to make it work. But it certainly fits well in the Arrow American Horror Project box set. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. I mean, it, good choice, good restoration. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a great little box set. Yeah. I think my favorite of the set was The Witch Who Came From The Sea. Yes. And then Malatesta's Carnival of Blood. That would be mine, too. And then The Premonition. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, a good set. I'm glad that Arrow are bringing these sort of nearly forgotten films back out to the front. And uh, I can't wait for volume two. Exactly. Keep up the work, Arrow. It's uh, it's uh, it's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right then. So that's that show done with. Should we uh, tell them where we're going next? Yes. Mr. Chris. Yep. Next time it's a uh, it was a listener suggestion from our friend Steve Dinsmore. And he wanted us to cover the Exorcist films. Yes, the Exorcist films. All five films in the series? All five. <laughs> could be interesting. Could be interesting. Yeah, you know, <laughs> beyond the first one, who knows where it could go. Yeah, well, I think I got that. <laughs> I know where the second one's going. <laughs> but yeah, we'll do that, and we will also have a review of Arrow Video's Blu-ray for Black Mama, White Mama. Yes, we will. Starring the ever-wonderful Pam Greer. Pam Greer, yep. Oh, Pam Greer. Excellent. So we will get there in a couple of weeks' time. But until then, I think it's time for us to say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. This bullshit. I have right. <laughs> yeah, you got right. Okay. <laughs> Where were y'all headed? Dallas. Skinner concert. Skinner? Hell, I like Skinner. I got how about that? 
We got something in common, don't we? <laughs> well, what are you gonna do with your tickets now, hotshot? You can have it. Is that bribery? Oh, that was really rude, wasn't it? Oh, look at you.